Welcome to the Who's Your Mob podcast. My name is James Henry, and this will be the third installment of this podcast. I had a good friend of mine, Saramza bin Saad, come around to my place. His friends know him, or we know him as Suri. And we sat out on my balcony and had a bit of a chat about his process with incorporating traditional and contemporary dance into his performances and workshops. It was quite interesting. I guess him being down in Melbourne for the last five years, his process not only navigating Aboriginal and white cultures, but also coming down to Melbourne and how he goes about navigating being a Nukana man down here on Wurundjeri and Bunwarung country. Fascinating fella, and it was great to be able to pick his brain and great to be able to sit with him on what was the day of the yes vote the the plebiscite result came back and the city was quite happy i guess in the electorate of melbourne 83.7 percent of the vote came back yes and i could imagine this particular patch of collingwood where i live it would have been potentially higher than that as this happens to be what would have to be the gay neighbourhood of Melbourne? There are a lot of rainbows around normally, but in the couple of months leading up to the plebiscite, it was filled with rainbows and a great day to celebrate and a great part of the city to celebrate when the result came back. So, yeah, I hope we bring some of the celebratory vibes across in the pod and I hope you guys find this just a bit interesting. So here he is, Siri. Yeah, so who's your mob? So I'm, my mob is a Nigana mob. So Nigana, it's N-Y-I-K-I-N-A. That's our tribe. Um, we are represented by the swordfish. And my personal totem is the Mayadara Jalamara, which is the pelican. Hence my tattoo. Yes, yeah, forearm, my left yeah. forearm, of the feather of the of the pelican. Um, yeah, and so that's my Aboriginal side. And my mother is one of the matriarchs of the Kimberleys from Derby, and um, her family stems all the way to Broome and the Peninsula. Um, and there's my father's side who. He's Indonesian, he's full Indo. And he, um, he's Banjamasan man. And that's near Kalimantan, so sort of on, not far from Borneo. <clears throat> Which I have no understanding of um, as in regards to being brought up with or, yeah, because my mum and father divorced when I was probably four and a half, five years old. Mm. So that's another part of myself that I'm yet to explore and um, yeah, I'm really intrigued to know more about. I've had, you know, I guess I've been brought up with my father in the sense of um, <clears throat> when I do see him, I catch up now and then, you know, when I was younger, um, when mum and dad was divorced and we'd still spend time with him, of course, and say hello and go to their Christmases and go to their little um, their celebrations. So I had a, you know, I've got a basic understanding of what um, Indo life is like but I, I think I'm I need to explore more into the authenticity of what it is and going to country yeah right mm. 
And do you have older brothers and sisters, older, younger, that might have had more contact with your father or opportunity to explore the Indonesian side of the family? Yeah. So I'm going to go back into a little bit of history for my father. He was a hard-hat diver. Um, he was ex um, exported to Broome, and that's where he met my mother. Mm -hmm. But he was, um, sorry, not exported, deported, because he was also, before he came to Australia, he was... He was involved with some uh, freedom fighter, police, jungle, I don't know exactly how to explain it, um, sort of troop mob. And there was a story where he was also a witch doctor and he had, he had the abilities of um, black magic and the, the community knew of his powers and they would see him for healing. And he, he had, obviously he had a heart to feel for not only for his friends, but also for his enemies, and he he was involved in this some some big jungle. I'm still I'm still trying to find out the history, but some something guerrilla sort of background where he was providing for the enemy with um, rations, mm -hmm. and his mob found out, and then that's when he got deported to to Broome. There's this amazing history from a father that I don't know of yet that I'm still yet to find out more of. But the idea of him coming to the country and to, to meet my mother, and so my brothers and sisters who are older than me, they had the opportunity to go overseas mm. to meet dad and his family there because he, he had another wife who she had um, kids for him. I think it was like another four or five kids. Yeah, right. So I've got another five, five, four or five sisters, brothers that I have in, in uh, Malaysia, not Indonesia. Yeah. And, and um, have you met them? No, I never met them. Yeah. Wow. I've met one okay. nephew. Yeah. Funny enough, and I met the obviously the mother. She used to live in the same town as us. So they had the chance to experience my father's other side, his other life. Yeah. And my sisters were um, actually there during a ceremony where my dad was blessing them with crystals. I can't go too far into it. I know what happened, but it's obviously you know, certain things you cannot say. And, mm. But he, he did these certain things that allowed my sisters to, I guess just to, to make them feel more, um, more able in their forthcoming lives, you know, to make them feel more um, confident in who they are. But they experienced that, and I never. I, I was brought up in a, yeah, the, the mining town when my dad was in Port Hedland. And... So I never knew my dad because my mum divorced, like I said, and I never got to see the side of my dad. But mm. as, I, as I started to sort of understand more about his life and, and what he did, I was really intrigued. And, I, and that's only made me more curious as to whether I should go back to country and, you know, because my mum and dad passed away as well. So I've never really had that real opportunity to sit down with dad and go, look, I, you know, can you tell me this? Can you teach me this, you know? because mm. it's not going to happen anymore and I guess the only way I'm going to do that is by going back to his country, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, wow. But I guess it seems like you've got quite a strong connection with your mum's side of the family and mm. the Aboriginal culture there and I remember you earlier speaking about how where your mob's from there's still that connection with certain stories and the law where 
it can only be passed on to specific people who, yeah, yeah. who show this something special or whatever the elders see in them that can then ensure that the continuation of, of knowledge and culture and if you come across within your community are there how they might go about deciding who these people are and instilling certain responsibilities upon them yeah you know like for example you go like I've been to a school where I facilitate a, a say a dance workshop for example and you know within a minute you can see who of those students want to be there and who doesn't yeah and you, you can segregate that it can like immediately mm. you can go okay this girl definitely wants to be here this boy wants to be here he doesn't want to be here mm. so the thing is you, you still got to facilitate you still got to teach that class mm. and those kids either have a choice to be there or they don't yeah but i guess that's the sort of way it works is like you can instant like again it's based on the instinctual knowledge isn't it when you when you feel like you can just tell when someone just doesn't want to be there yeah and you, you really just, I guess, you try to keep, keep teaching um, and just to do whatever you can for that time that you have with those students and to make them feel like this was fun or this wasn't, you know? Yeah. And that's all you can do. But I guess the way that the elders work is they've learned to rely on their instincts and they know exactly who's got time for them. Mm. And it's not about me trying to go out of my way anymore. It's like, I've taught you a valuable lesson or a session and it's what you do with it from there on. Yeah. You either come to me now, I'm not going to chase you, and you ask me how to learn more. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, true. I'm not going to go to a class and try, unless I know I see promise in someone, that's a different story. Then I'm going to chase that person. And I'm going to keep hunting them down until I make sure they realize they have the potential to become a leader. Yeah. And I've done that a couple of times where I've gone to a student and I've just said, you, you don't see your potential. You don't see how much more than you really are, but I can see it in you. Yeah, right. So, and I guess in a sense, I'm an elder in that respect. Like I've actually got to that point where, because I'm also older, you know, I'm not any younger than I was, but... The idea of knowing that I have that that inkling or that in that sense of that understanding of knowing that there is someone who has the capacity to become something bigger than they actually are, mm. and you just see that you just see that in them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain, I guess. No, I think you explained it quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to hit pause on this yeah. so I can go Jilawa. Yeah, I need a and, beer. I want a beer. And we'll get a beer. And we'll get it out of this rain. <laughs> it, this hey, is, we've um, gone through the, all the elements of the, the bloody um, the season, haven't we? We've gone from the complete extreme heat yep. to the thunderstorms and now it's raining. Yeah, I know. Does it make you feel like you're back home in Broome? Back in Melbourne. Four seasons in one day. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got a bit of that. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to hit pause. We'll yeah, um, adjourn and we'll uh, continue. But people won't know that because it's just going to blend into one. You don't know me. The power of technology and and time and uh, editing tools. <laughs> We're back, like refreshed. And uh, mountain goat. Yeah, mountain goat sponsoring this event. 
uh, and this other like weird beverage. I don't Which even looks like the, like the Simpsons. Yeah, I don't even know. It's just got a cartoon. It didn't even have a name on it. So <laughs> I know it's good though. I like it. You don't. So mm. I liked it for a moment. Yeah, I think I'd like it if I was more intoxicated. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Yeah, like you get these. IPA is, uh, I guess, my beverage of choice at the moment because I can drink it slow. But then you also have these um, version of the IPAs called like session IPAs or, or throwback IPAs, mm. where you can just keep on drinking them. You know, whereas I know I, I kind of like to slowly sip and then probably switch to something else that's a bit easier drinking after after a big IPA or a couple. I'm more of a um, a nail fan. Yeah. Okay. Generally, the lighter ales. Yeah. 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 True. So anyway, so you got the summer ale. This is as as lighter ale as as you can get. Uh, I could imagine. Mm. But. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Well, moving on from the beer commercials, <laughs> uh, and I'm also quite hesitant to you know be talking about all this cultural stuff while we you know have beverages, and I guess there are certain sensitivities with that as well, like when you're. And when you're practicing culture, you don't want to like you know mix the party and the, the serious stuff. But I guess we're we're just talking about it, and then uh, like beer and football, uh, beer and yeah, beer and football. Like yeah, I'm kind of half. It sort of mixes as well, doesn't it? Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to have to go out and perhaps play a game of football. But there, there was a there was almost a thunderstorm a second ago, so I'm not yeah, sure if I'm going to make you it out. Yeah, never know so. here in Melbourne. Yeah. But, but um, no, you're right. There's yeah. a thing about drinking and doing cultural dance, for example. It yeah. is, is not what you do. No. It just doesn't work, guys. Don't do it. Yeah. So why, why doesn't it work? Because it's about spirit. And mm. when you're connected to spirit, it's only when really you are connected to country and, and to the soul of what your purpose is is in regards to why why you're doing the specific dance or song. Mm. Um, it's about, because alcohol isn't a part of our culture. Alcohol is introduced, mm. you know? And we all know when we drink, we go a little bit guani. Mm. And it makes you overthink or it makes you over-evaluate to a point of even being aggressive. Um, it changes your behavior. Mm. It's You're not you. You can also be funny, you can be happy, you can, it, it just, for each individual, it, it completely changes your your spirit and yourself. Yeah. So that's why it's it's a no-go zone. Mm. Because when you're doing something that's cultural and, and something that's um, of importance, it's, it's, um, it's vital to remain clear. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so you were talking before about Lian. So is is Lian just the word for spirit, or is it something else beyond that? I think it's beyond it. it Lian has many meanings. It's, it's much more. It's it's bigger than what we know. I think. Okay. Yeah. And I know. I, I guess you know Lian is Aboriginal word from up up in those parts. From so, Yaru. Yeah. So where's yeah, Broome, yeah, Peninsula, yeah, yeah, okay, and Derby, yeah, sort of that, yeah, that whole um, West Kimberleys. Yeah, I could imagine there are other equivalent words and relationship with 
the spirit, you know, in, in mm. other you know, Aboriginal parts of the country. That's just from our way. So whatever yeah. you mob interpret is, you know, is different yeah. language again. But then, I don't know, like, can you see that potentially also being beyond, you know, this continent and, like, I don't know, do white people have Leon as, as much as a blackfellow has, like, that connection to Leon? Well, it depends because I find that every Indigenous nation on, in this world has culture. They have roots that go, that stem for thousands of years, you know? But more so here in Australia. We are the oldest living culture in the world, you know? White follows culture, when you think about it, only stems from the last 250 years. And then you think about the influences from before them through the Irish, through the Scottish, so through the Celtic connections. They're strong, of course. Now, I wouldn't underestimate what the possibilities are, what they have, mm. but there's no comparison because it's very different. It, it, there may be similarities, but yeah, very different. Yeah. Mm. And so with you know, your Leon, how do you feel that affects your life and the decisions that you make in regards to you know what you are going to be um, maybe doing for work or, or like how you're going to be setting up goals for yourself in the future? What you're going to be doing you know, this evening, for example? Like, can you kind of put your finger on it as to how it shapes your life? Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, I think it's. It's funny because we, um, the idea of us getting to a certain achievement or a goal in our life, mm. we strive to get to there, yeah? And we do it with, with such perseverance and passion, whatever we may do to get to that point, to get to the top of what we wanted to, where we want to get to, yeah? Mm. And my Leon will sometimes challenge me mm. and it will test me. A good example of that is in relationships, for example. I, I sometimes know what's good for me in a relationship, but, and I see signs of what isn't working in that relationship, but I will go beyond my Leon to go, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it be. Go with the flow, yeah? Um, and I know it's not always the way that it should have been. I've always felt myself... Um, thinking to myself, gee, I, I fucked up there. I've done something wrong there, or I, I could have done this better, for example. Um, and I knew I was going against the grains, in a sense. So, so in the sense, the Leon is the grains that I was going against. Okay. Um, for work, or play, or whatever it may be, you will always be tested. Because I think Leon, in a sense, is also not just, they're not just, uh, a way of progression but it's also they can also give certain restrictions mm -hmm. to how far you you think you can go and how far you I guess how far you should have gone does it make sense to you yeah I guess I'd have to you know think about it a little bit closer and deeper in regards to my own context and, and story like if I was doing a ceremonial um, if I had an opportunity to work in ceremony, to be able to dance with another mob, for example, mm. and I'll go in there and 
and now I've done this myself, where I've actually gone into Mohenjo-daro community, Mohenjo-daro art center, and I've been asked as a performer, and they've, all they've done is traditional dance. Mm. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this young fella comes in and goes, I'm a traditional contemporary dancer, and they're like, uh, what's that? And I show them my style, and I do this dance, and it was one of the most riskiest times of my life, because I was in my own country, <clears throat> and I knew immediately I was open to receiving judgment. Yeah. How old were you? Um, I would have been about probably 19. Yeah, right. So think of it, this as a, a festival that happens every year, mm -hmm. maybe say for the last 15 years, and then all of a sudden it's always been traditional, and then there's one Aboriginal boy yep. who's not traditional, who has traditional elements to his work and his living, but has been brought up in contemporary dance mm. and uses the fusion of traditional and contemporary dance and basically delivers his work that is not the norm. Mm. And so, like I said, I'm completely susceptible to someone looking at me, and this is elders from those specific communities who come in every year and go, what that boy is doing is either wrong or right. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, whatever we do in general, whatever we do with our lives, we, we're going to do what we do. And we'll only find out as we go about it, and we'll learn whether it's right or wrong as we go, yeah? Mm. <clears throat> and who's to say it's right or wrong in the end? I just do what I do. I, I am who I am, and I do what I do. And I came into this festival, and I'd done this dance, and it caused a bit of controversy. Okay. Because it was like... Okay, so this boy, he's, he's saying he comes from Aboriginal heritage and culture, but he's not dancing like we do. Yeah. So there's questions there. There's young fellas who have never seen the style in their life. And then there's the elders who, again, have never seen it. And then the other mob who are the middle range mob have gone, I've seen this sort of style. And he, what he's done, he's done a fusion, you know? Yeah. So these are, I'm talking traditional cultural mob who've, who've never been brought up in city. They've lived life by ceremony all their lives yeah so for me to do that was that was a huge step for me yeah yeah um but then i was overwhelmed with joy and happiness because i was accepted and they're like what you're doing we we really liked and okay. we, we want more of it yeah and i guess they see me as someone who who sort of broke certain barriers and foundations but i connected to the youth and this is a conversation me and you had earlier mm. before about how We've got to find ways to connect to youth in order for them to learn. And the only way we can do it is through what they know now. Yeah. And what I do, I guess, and I was subconscious to it at the time because I was just doing what I do. But I was really integrating modern with traditional. So a lot of my teachings has been sort of through the schools I've studied at is that sort of technique. But to be able to bring that to community is alien. It's foreign. Mm. So I guess in a sense, I was one of the sort of the, um, what do you call them mob? We come in, come in and you, it's just like in a sense, I was breaking protocol. I was, I was changing the thought of what was and what it has become. Yeah. And not intentionally. It's just, I just wanted to, to perform. I just wanted to do a show yeah, yeah. You know, for our community. So that thing of being, 
having to be tested and trialled as well and thinking that I was doing the right thing was also a possibility of being put down and even being told to never come back again. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it, it seems like it's like you're being chucked in the deep end without the opportunity to show some elders the dance before you were there doing a performance for everyone. Mm. So was there no opportunity to have that little half step as to perform for someone in private and see if it was going to be appropriate for that particular situation? Yeah, but that's the thing. See, that's why I'm going back to your question about your Leon. Has it, it's got the thing of what's it done to you to make you get to where you do or whatever you need to do to get to what you want to do with this instinctual knowledge behind you. And that's mm. the thing. I've, I have tested that. I've gone beyond what I thought was acceptable. Mm. And I guess that's that little bit of um, radicalness, I guess, in, in me where I've just gone, you know what, I want to... Also, there's a part of me that is conscious and wants to test. Yeah, yeah. Wants to just push a little bit as well. So, so you were aware that... I knew, yeah. like I knew I was, when I was there, as much as I said I'd, I'd like to be here and I, I just want to do what I do and perform, but I'm also, I think there's another part of me that just goes, I'm willing to step beyond what is the norm. Mm. And obviously, you're going you're gonna to deal with its repercussions, whatever it may be, you know? And I was just lucky to know that I've been blessed in that in that sense to know that I've been um, recognised as someone who's actually does it in good faith. Yeah. You know, who's not who's not here to. I don't know. It's hard to explain. So, what kind of dance were you blending the traditional with? Had you, I guess, learnt other contemporary forms through school, or did you go to dance class, or what else were you bringing to that performance? from the contemporary angle well i'm just going to go a little bit more into depth of why see i've got to a point where i've never just done a dance now i've made it uh, with a particular theme or a story narrative i don't dance without some form of narrative because mm. um, i feel it just there's there's no essence there's nothing interesting about that piece unless you've got something that people can understand or have some sort of knowledge of. Yeah. And that particular piece that I did in Molgen, which was my, f um, at that time was just a, a solo piece. It, was, it had no theme, it had no construct. It was just me dancing to a particular piece of music that I connected to. So what kind of uh, So it was traditional music? contemporary mix. It was, um, it was like techno trance combined mm -hmm. with dig. Yeah. Um, bit of voice, um, sort of drum and bass. Yeah, it was like a combination of all these different, I guess, yeah, just very yeah, foreign yeah, yeah. to what that, yeah, yeah, what, what, what they necessarily dealt with. And then the next year, I did a piece particularly on transformation, and I involved my niece. And I think I got a little bit uh, more where you step over that line just a little bit I started to test how far I could go with it in a sense and controversial. I worked yeah controversial I got a little bit controversial and I worked with um the Wanjana spirit and the Wanjana spirit is the big big dreaming spirit of yeah, that particular true. country yeah now no one speaks to the Wanjana um and only certain people are allowed to paint the Wanjana you are you are specifically chosen yeah well 
Um, I've felt an affinity with Wandana since I was very young, and I painted Wandana without permission, mm-hmm. and I also dreamt of Wandana. And to even say his name, it's it's it's, it's you got to be very careful, you know. Yeah. But I've I've never felt uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And I th- I think there's beyond what when the elders approach you, but it's also about when you feel connected to something, something's telling you that you shouldn't be afraid to embrace it. Okay. So I think that's what I did. I embraced Wandana in my life. And I found the connection with Wandana and the owl. And the owl, is, his face is very much the Wandana's face. Yeah, it's got yeah. the deep, yeah. hollow eyes and the nose, and you don't see his mouth. Mm. And because the Wandana is renowned for his big, I guess they call him, he's got like an alien, they sort of what they think is like an alien sort of shape face. Mm. The cyclonic eyes, yeah, his eyes are cyclones and he has no mouth because if he was to speak, he would completely blow this entire universe. Yeah. That's the power he has. So I use the owl as the animal that transcended from Wandana to become alive in spirit to dance Mm. with my niece. And they absolutely fell in love with the piece because they felt the connection strong as well. But this is beyond my understanding. I just did it, it like I'm, even though I thought about it, it was a natural progression. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like something had told me this is the, what you're meant to do to bring the story to life. Yeah. And whether it was a new story or whether it was the old or whether it was both, you know. But I did it and I'm just doing what my Leon's telling me. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say to you. Is like the idea of Leon is sometimes it's out of your control. It's just about what comes out and what you just got to go with. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And and I've been lucky to do three shows of Mel Gym since because they've they've embraced what I do. Yeah. And it's become, um, I guess, a new way, a new wave into what what that festival's become now as well. Okay. It's starting to grow more contemporary. Yeah. And it's allowing more artists to come through who, who've never been brought up with traditional upbringings. And it's also investing its time in, in educating non-Indigenous people as well to be involved with the festival. So it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, You're yeah. Just seeing it blossom, you know, it's, it's developing. Yeah. It's great. Have you come across any obstacles in your attempt to be able to yeah. share culture? All the time. I've had the opportunity to, um, after I spoke to one of the elders who gave me permission to dance, I, I wanted to go further. I wanted to know more about my mob. And I, because I wasn't always at, in country, I was always away. Hey, I thought I'd make the opportunity to go see one of my elders who's always practicing cultural um, dance and song. And when I approached him, he said, oh, it's not for you. This was actually just after I had the opportunity to do So You Think and Dance in 2008. Um, he looked at me and said to me, uh, you will go tell the world about what we do because he seen me on national television. To me, that was very, I was very hurt because I know what protocol is, I know what permission is, and I knew there's only certain things that I would show and one of them wouldn't be anything that's taught to me if it's sacred, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. That will always remain 
um, within those who teach me and in myself, you know, yeah. and my family. And I think I was really hurt by that. I guess that's probably why I look at it and think to myself, you know, I had the opportunity to learn many other dis different dances, but not really my own mob. And, you know, maybe within time I will be again, but I think he was coming from, I have to understand too, that he was coming from that sense of me not being there and therefore I've never really connected to him as much as those who have always, always been there. Yeah. You know, so maybe if I'd spent more time there, then I'd probably get that, that opportunity. But so far things have always told me to go in other directions mm. for the time being. And maybe, like I said, later in life, it might bring you back there. But it's hard because I think that my, if I was taught from him, I would always respect that. Because I know he's, he is the culture man of our mob, you know, yeah. him and, and his sons. That made me question, yeah, why do I want to continue? Like, you know, when you're hurt, Sometimes you just want to avoid the situation completely. Mm. I've also learned to embrace that hurt and empower myself. And that's why I, I've just gone with what I've been told from other elders and people who tell me that I'm doing the right thing or yeah. a good thing, you know? Yeah. So I just go with what I'm shown for now. And I believe in eventually what happens, happens for a reason. Mm. Mm. You know, it seems like that there's quite a spectrum of dance from that pure traditional sacred, cultural, closed-off dance. You have on the other end of the spectrum this like contemporary dance, which you know is quite modern, which mightn't have any connection. And then along that spectrum, you, you have the different blends of traditional elements coming through. And of course, modern day is going to you know, have influence on the way people do traditional dance now, like despite the attempts that you know mob you know will try to keep that quite pure and as much like the old days as possible we mm. can't kind of help this influence coming in from the white world i'm wondering like how you go about when you're asked to dance something and then you're you are an aboriginal dancer and you're dancing for an aboriginal event it is i guess somewhat expected of you that there'll be you know, not only this contemporary interpretation and what you bring, but they also have this expectation that you'll bring something indigenous to the performance somehow. Are there particular elements of your dance style that you know will have that Aboriginal flavour to it? It's really just, I guess, when people think indigenous, they think animalistic. Mm -hmm. You know, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think if there's anything to portray indigenous movement or ceremonial style is through animalistic movement. Yeah. Mm. So it's the interpretation of specific animals from this country. Yeah. So kangaroo, emu, goanna, you know, and these are ceremonial practices that's been going on for thousands of years mm. because Aboriginal people represented animals through their dreamings, through their song lines and through their songs. And I think when people look at Aboriginal dance in contrast to ballet or jazz mm. or tap, whatever, mm. 
it has its signature, doesn't it? Yeah. So, and traditional Aboriginal has animalistic movement as its signature. And can you pick that <clears> up <throat> if you're watching a Bangara performance? You can watch that and then if you see something, a particular move happening, can you then pinpoint that to, you know, having an, an Aboriginal origin? Yeah, it's funny because I don't watch other dancers to be inspired or to feel this is my the way that I can interpret a dance. Mm. I watch. I actually watch animals. Mm. I will look at a kangaroo and how they move. I look at a goanna how they move. I look at a lizard. I go right down to insects. Even mm. I look at ants. I look at even what they what the subject is of what they um, like bees and you know whatever they use. What what is their commodity what is their um, connection to what they do like a butterfly flying down to meet the water to, to meet the ocean to die for example so it's it's also a narrative and the way that they move these creatures have specific ways of moving I learn it a lot from documentaries I look at animals um, through what's his bloody name Edinburgh what a what an amazing man the the analysis of animals and creatures and how they move and what they do and and why and what's their purpose. He's a good example of a foundation of something in regards to um, why things exist, mm. yeah? That really goes back to our foundations as Aboriginal people from thousands of years of knowledge and, and understanding of country and seasons and the way things work is because we were analytical. We watched everything and we knew exactly how things worked and why and everything from the insects and the flowers to the trees and all had a purpose, mm. you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, that's how, I've, that's how I've created what I do, which has been passed on beyond our recognition. Mm. Mm. And then you do workshops with younger mob. Yeah. So I guess there's that balance you're saying that you have to reach them through what they know, but then you know, hopefully incorporate some traditional elements in, you know, without them knowing it, to then, you know, have that appreciation uh, of culture. So this is basically what I'm going to look to do, you know, with some of the work that I'm going to be making as part of this fellowship. So how do you know where to strike that balance going up and showing them shake a leg or um, just going straight into the traditional might be you know too far to carry their levels of interest but yeah. then just doing the pure hip-hop you won't have the chance to incorporate the culture so what's your technique to be able to find that balance yeah give yeah. them what they want but also give them what they need they need yeah i think we um because we discussed this outside of this recording but when i teach when i facilitate i I like to use the medium of what kids are interested in now. And a good example of that, which is huge, a huge um, inspiration to children and, and specifically teenagers, is hip-hop. Yeah, dance, music, and it's, it's even quite sexual, isn't it? Like when you think about hip-hop and R&B, it's always based on relationships or breakups or getting it on, yeah, that sort of thing. And, and it's what kids are brought up with these days. So how do we find ways to connect to them, but also to find ways that we can reconnect to ourselves? And 
And when I say reconnect to ourselves, I mean in regards to reconnecting to culture. Because kids are fascinated by things that aren't necessarily a part of who we are, but a part of what has been introduced. Mm -hmm. And it's enticing because it's the in thing, it's what the craze is right now, and it's what the world is going, this is what's important, yeah? Yeah. Well, this is the this is the necessities right now. This is what you need to be in the in crowd, for example. So, what I do is I use traditional as a template to be able to get these mob to still learn and have fun and to listen to the tracks that they love listening to and create dances from. And then what I do is I fuse it with traditional, and I still make it funky. So they mm. just go, oh, this is awesome. Like, how do you do this? And oh, this is how you do this. The dance, yep. We create a piece, a choreographed piece. And sometimes they're aware of it and sometimes they're not. But I, I initially will say, look, I'm going to teach you hip-hop, but I'm going to fuse it with traditional. Mm. And sometimes it can scare people off because they'll go, oh, well, I don't really like traditional. And the reason why they don't like it is because they've never been shown it or they've just been brought up without knowledge of it or they might have had bad experiences with it, you know what I mean? So what I do is I try to embrace it through movement or song or acting that they feel comfortable with and then see the similarities between the movement. So the wave can also look like a snake. Mm. So the wave is all, it begins with the fingertips to the knuckles to the wrist to the elbow to the shoulder to the neck and it's about isolation of the body to continue that form to get to the next arm to finish with the fingertip so that thing of that structure of the body is representation of what could be traditional and that yeah right snake. okay yeah 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 so then i could spin that last way through to connect into a serpentine move which creates the flow again through the fingers, and that's a snake-like movement. Now, that dance for them would be interesting because it's like, wow, this is like, it's new. It's not just a typical hip-hop routine. Mm. And then they wonder why it's different and what makes it unique. It's because I've added traditional to it. Mm. And then they question whether it's, they connect to it or not. It's up to them, you know? Yeah. But in the end, I, <clears throat> I think that if we broke that down and if we just specifically did the snake by itself or the emu or the kangaroo it's just not as exciting yeah, for yeah. kids these days unless you can add something funky to it you know yeah but then when i break it down i can also make it funky but then add a what i call traditional contemporary connection so it's similar but it's about making it modern that's all it is so it's a modern, traditional dance. And that's how they connect to it. Mm. So it's no longer the old school, which is uh, yawn, boring, done it, been there, to more, oh, this is really exciting. Like, it's different and something's telling me I want to keep doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then all you can do is just offer them what you know in the end. But it's up to them what they decide to continue with. Yeah. So... But I've been really happy to see a lot of my students who've just developed onwards and continued on to their own personal successes. And um, a good example, one of my students who's 
gone from not being a dancer at all to becoming one of the most accoladed dancers in Bangara. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. Mm. And I'd like to think that I was a part of their journey. But, and, you know, as much as they thank me and go, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am. It's like, that's, sorry, that's bullshit. Because you persisted, you've got a taste of what I offered you. I only planted the seed. And it's that growth mm. from there on and how they embrace it and what they continue with it, you know? Yeah. And how they make it their own. So. Yeah, no, uh, no, that's amazing. It sounds mm. like, you know, this is something that would be lapped up by you know, all different parts of the country, like mm. no matter, you know, how urban or, you know, remote they you know, might be. It's, yeah, it's something for, for everyone to, you know, I guess blend in this. Well, that's the beauty of collaboration I was yeah. saying before. If we don't collaborate, we don't learn, do we? We don't, mm. we don't get a chance to experience beyond our own horizons. Mm. So if we can be open to other possibilities, mm. then it's endless, isn't it? Yeah. And that therefore, those possibilities also are, are dreams, mm. you know? There's, why constrict yourself? Why restrict yourself to a degree of what you, you've always worked with and, and stepping out of your comfort zone and where, knowing that once you step out of there, that's where the magic happens. Mm. It's about stepping into the bigger world, isn't it? Yeah. And being open. And that's when you become international in a sense. Mm. Yeah? Mm. I, I guess a couple of things before I let you go. Mm. Um, one of them is um, recently I saw you dance at Federation Square where mm. I think it was for uh, uh, Olympic... Olympic Win. Yeah. That was for... Vicky Cousins installation firepiece. Yeah. Yeah. So they really got to see that balance of that uh, traditional and contemporary going on. And did did you see that? I took photos of figure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So um yeah. And you did my music. And I did your music. That's so right. yes, yes I did see it. You helped me make my music. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I wanted to know as to yeah so how you came about your storyline for that or what was the storyline and that was a special piece because I that was a personal story that one because I being from the Kimberleys we've had yeah the mining industry wanted to come in and basically create gas lines through the country yeah I, I just thought the repercussions of that it would just be horrendous because that's that's killing not only land, but but people and the ecosystem. It's all good and well when it comes to making money and, you know, and they say it's about creating money for families and sustainability for education. But in the end, it's within a 20 year period, there'll be no nothing left. And where are you going to go from there? Then they want to go into fracking. The understanding of knowing that they're drilling oil from basically the coral of the sea you know what I mean it just yeah it makes me sick and I felt very I felt inclined personally to make a story and a song about or make a dance and a song about this specific um, situation that's going on in the Kimberleys so I wrote a song about basically saying the children are our future and without them we're lost because that's our next generation. It was just a, it was a leadership program that I entered 
um, that I ended up doing back in Broome. And at the end of the, the week, we were all told to create a song or a dance piece or something that we felt connected with. And so I wrote a, a song and my good friend, Bart Pigram, that's the um, Stephen Pigram's son from Broome. He played uh, guitar for us and did backing vocals. And um, one other young fellow, he, um, he did the rap. And it originally just came out like a reggae sort of piece song. But it was a really strong template for a song that I felt could have been used more for a performance piece. So, yeah, I created a dance for it. I sort of switched from reggae to more of a pop song cycle sort of and traditional com combination. And it turned out really well, thanks to Mr. James Henry. Just chop things together, which yeah, yeah. was already there, but... Uh, well, no, yeah. you know, of course, but beginning with... Um, one of my very good mates in Broome. Yeah, he made it possible actually, him and a good mate of mine. And so this piece I ended up doing in the Fed Square. And um, yeah, it was very special. Vicky Cousins gave me the opportunity to perform because the year before that I was actually lucky enough to dance for them and then I thought I'd introduce this personal piece. And what's crazy is that Fed Square has those actual bricks that are used on the in Fed Square are from the Kimberleys. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I've always felt an affinity with Fed Square, but realised that's what it was, because yeah. it's the stones from our country. Yeah, no, I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of like seeing the you know, the colours now, like reminiscent of those cliffs around like Cape Levique and where that red meets that turquoise blue of the, the sea. It's uh, yeah, such a rare combination. It's beautiful, yeah. Mm. Make me homesick now. <laughs> Just before I let you go, um, can't let you go without commenting on today and the decision, the the, <laughs> the yes vote. Um, so, how's this result made you feel? Yeah, it's crazy because I've never, I've never once thought like the government controls me. Because you know that's what we hear every day, isn't it? The government. It's what the government want, the government needs, and they'll get what they need. And I guess I've always been a separate entity to what the expectations are of what is what this country is run by. You know, like it does affect us, of course, but being an Aboriginal gay man, which I, I guess I'm still coming to terms with the reality that we can't always just be ourselves without being judged. You know, as much as I might feel comfortable walking to a room or, or a place or a festival, etc., I will be judged. There will be people looking at me with, with scrutiny or with lack of understanding. And I've just developed a thick skin around me to know that I've, I've been hurt enough in my life to know that I can, I'm not going to take it no more. And that's what's made me get through and to be able to just feel like I can just be confident in my in my endeavours. So, and I guess sometimes I can become complacent at times because the reality did hit me today when we went to the results of the um, of the marriage equality for for homosexuality. Because I am I am a gay man, and I guess it never really hit me until the the vote came through. 
which was a positive, 61% in our favour. Um, the idea of being accepted in as a social in a social status mm -hmm. as a human being, and yeah, being equal like it was it would actually really hit home, and I silently cried. And as I looked around, I seen everyone rejoicing and just the, the energy and the happiness that flowed in that space, it was quite overwhelming. Because I think at that moment, it made me really come to understanding that really love is love, isn't it? Love is all it is and love conquers all. And no matter who you are, where you're from, it should always be about acceptance. Mm -hmm and know that it's because something's different it doesn't necessarily mean it's 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 not right mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. i think we should always celebrate diversity and multiculturalism it's it's important because it's our world mm -hmm. and i'm still i'm still yeah i'm still sort of coming to terms with today Mm -hmm. And what it's gonna, I guess, what's gonna happen in the future, you know? The fact that now gay people are possibly allowed to, or they will be, they're allowed to marry. Yep. And fuck yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah, as a straight man, I'm, I'm be. Like, yeah, very happy. And somehow I'm going to manage to. I guess chop out Kate's uh, interruption. In it's good though. It gave us a bit of a breather. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we uh, chatted for quite a while. It's I think it's a great opportunity. We're like we have these conversations naturally, but yeah. it's nice to be able to you know share it to whoever else might want to be privy to our thoughts and feelings about culture and our artistic practice. So. Thanks a lot for your time and uh, thanks a lot for your art and what you're doing for our mob and for, you know, I guess, the community as a whole, so. Yeah, and I, I like, I, I just, um, this latest project that I'm doing right now with Cloud Street, a piece written by Tim Winton, and I was talking to the director because my, my role that I'm playing is uh, the stereotypical black cultural spirit of this house that looks over that place and makes sure he protects the place and but anyway in the end we had a conversation after rehearsal and I was he was saying to me so how long have you been in in Victoria and I said oh, I've been here for about four and a half years five years because we're talking about what's what's protocol and what isn't and what's right and, and you know he said forgive my ignorance um, I don't really know much and I said that's cool that's why I'm here I guess I'm here as a consultancy as well you know and the thing is we we do what we do we are who we are, and I have a lot to learn. I've, this is, I'm pretty much a baby when it comes to learning from this particular country, and I've still got a lot to learn, and I'm, I'm so open to it, and I want to learn more. And I guess the more I learn from here, the more I can take back to my own mob. You know, like I said before, I've got a lot to learn from my own mob too, and in the end, it's about generally, isn't it? It's just about, yeah, being open mm. and just not thinking that because you learnt one thing, you, you know the rest. 
Mm. There's so much more to learn. We just got to remain humble, yeah. no matter what, because I think true artists succeed by remaining humble than to to go beyond with your ego, because I think ego can only get you so far. Yeah. Mm. All right. So if people are wanting to find out more about you and, and your work, and maybe maybe even these workshops, which sound amazing and interacting and, and such, is there one place online where people can find you easily and get in touch squarespace squarespace <laughs> all right yeah, yeah we need to do a, a bit of a website don't we i need to create a website and i'm yet to do it and when i do i will have a website yeah <laughs> and my website is under saramza yeah and um i'm also represented by um the walker and campos the what? The Walker and Campos um, agency. Okay. Which is Yvette Walker and yep. Lisa Campos. So there, um, they've got all my details. Yep. But in general, if you ever wanted me to come and work with your community or your, your organization, feel free to, yeah, just jump online and um, all my details are there. Yep. Uh, under like, under Saramza Binsad. Yep, under Saramza Binsad. And also um, MTC, the ISP, um, which is the Indigenous Scholarship Program. Yep. Yeah. Rock and roll series, been a pleasure. Too much for your goodage. <laughs> <laughs>